Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 12th episode of the Diverse Minds Podcast. This week on the podcast, following on from Anti-Bullying Week and Change Starts With Us being the theme, we're going to be looking at moving towards your career dream. And to help us do that, I'm going to be talking to the amazing Soma Ghosh, aka the founder of the Career Happiness Mentor. I was honored to be a guest on Soma's podcast entitled The Career Happiness Podcast, which I definitely think you should check out earlier this year, talking about bullying, neurodivergence and productive workplaces. And from that moment, I knew that I wanted her on as a guest on my show as soon as my podcast was up and running. Soma previously worked in education, helping young people with career advice and job hunting. She's a qualified careers advisor with a PG dip in careers guidance and a psychology and criminology degree. Soma now runs her own mentoring business where she helps ambitious women find their dream job and career and helps them understand what their idea of career happiness is. She's been featured in Happyful magazine and written for Thrive Global. So I'm so delighted to welcome Soma to the show. Welcome. Hi, it's lovely to be here. I'm just so thrilled to have you on and I'm so thrilled to have someone like you who's going to inform our listeners about career happiness goals and you're going to talk a little bit about your your journey towards your business and your happiness. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be here. Fabulous. So let's start off then, Soma, by you telling our listeners about the Career Happiness Mentor and the work that you do. So the Career Happiness Mentor, um, I help women, professional women, who are unhappy at work. And those women could work part-time, they could work full-time, they could have um, freelance or contracted work. But it's about helping them not only be fulfilled and happier at work, but thinking about how they could get promotion or pay, sorry, promotion or pay rise. And the kind of clients that I have, I have a huge variety of clients from mums to busy uh, working professionals in the finance sector and marketing, all sorts of lines of work. I've even helped clients um, who are actually in the NHS at higher positions. And one of the things that I'm really, really passionate about and in terms of what it does is I don't just look at the career overall. It's not just about the career. It's about holistically looking at what are the emotional aspects, you know, what is causing them to perhaps not feel happy at work and what makes them happy as an individual. And my job is kind of to mentor them. It's to give them careers advice. It's very bespoke depending on the client, depending on what it is that they need from me. Some clients might need help with their LinkedIn some clients mm-hmm. might might just need help with um, looking at career change or clarifying what it is that they really, really want. Um, there are even some women who, you know, they ponder with the idea of having a business like we do. Mm-hmm. They don't know, you know, if they're ac- academic, they kind of say, mm, is it realistic for me to do this trauma? So it depends on the individual. So it is really, really um, holistic. And it's just about helping them move forward in a direction that works for them. But that is what essentially the career happiness mentor does. And I just love the way you talk about emotions because that's the thing. We can go to sessions where we do CVs. We can go to mm-hmm. sessions where we learn how to look for jobs and how we post things on LinkedIn. But actually, you're so right. Before we do any of that, we need to think about our emotional triggers. Yeah, exactly. For me, I see with my clients that if I don't look at their emotions, I, I don't know them. And it's very important for me to not only know who they are, um, to help them move forward, 
but to work with them in that deeper, deeper way, it's very important. Yes. So, you know, Shema, why did you start the Career Happiness Mentor as a business? Do you want to tell listeners a little bit about your journey? Yeah. So there are a few different um, reasons behind kind of why and how I started it. But the main thing um, I found in 2010, so this it's been kind of a few years in the making, the Career Happiness Mentor, but it didn't start until 2016. But the main thing that happened is when I was going through redundancy, the career sector was hit with redundancy at that time. I felt this emotion and this feeling of disarray of not knowing what I wanted to do. And there was a lot of career confusion for me personally. And instead of actually doing anything about it at the time, I just got redeployed, I had a new job, and I was just kind of like winging it like many of us do, like many of us women do. We do that because we're afraid to really, really embrace what we want to do. We're afraid to really go for those new challenges. And I saw this pattern, Layla, of a lot of people, not just me, being unhappy at work. And I saw it more and more as time went on. And so... After I actually left that job, I did a little bit of ad hoc work. I was trying to figure out what I enjoyed. And it actually took me the doing ad hoc work in colleges that was non-careers advice. I worked as an mm. academic mentor and a, um, a, a kind of like an attendance advisor for me to re- realise that actually I loved careers advice. I just kind of needed a bit of break from it. and. Mm. I needed that personal growth because I was also kind of transitioning from my late 20s to my 30s then. And that is in itself a period of Mm self-discovery. And I think many of us as women, whether we're mums or not, you know, we have personal growth. And we need to really, really make sure that we reflect on that and we take time to really understand who we are and where we want to be. And when I was working with my first ever business mentor that helped me set up the career happiness mentor, Lucy Sheridan, um, she was saying to me that, Soma, you're so warm, you know, there's such a caring nature to you. Why isn't that reflected in your brand? Because um, I had another business called SG Careers and it was just very generic. It wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't me, if I'm mm, honest. Yeah. But that's sort of when we came up with the career happiness mentor because if you're just, if I was just, oh my gosh, the careers advisor, yeah. it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't be powerful. So it was really, really important for me to have a brand like that, that had that message, but also to help women, the women who, I remember us kind of brainstorming about this, me and Lucy, the women who are crying in the bathroom at work because their boss Mm. shouted at them or made them feel really, really small or petty, those sorts of things. And there are so many women out there who are are trying to do it all and be superwoman, Mm. um, whether they have children or not. And just making sure that, they are happy in what they do and being able to kind of help women do things their way. I, mean, I kind of thought as a careers advisor, I have the skills to not only, because a lot of career coaches, they'll look at your present and that's great. But Layla, the way that I work is I look at your past mm-hmm. and I kind of uncover any of those bad things that have happened to you and what's kind of resulted in you feeling a certain way. And I'll also look to your future to really kind of help propel you to go where you want to go so for me the why and the how was really just about helping women find career happiness that fit them and their lifestyles and that's kind of how the why and how kind of came together really 
Yeah, thank you so much, Emma. And I didn't know about your SG careers, but yeah, it's it's really it's really easy, isn't it, to take your job and just go, oh, that will be a business, and it, and it could work. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it wouldn't have worked, but again, that's a really um, insightful point that Lucy you know, picked up on that you're not reflecting yourself because you are this amazing, bubbly, warm, kind, generous mm-hmm. person and SG careers doesn't really reflect you. And and I don't know you super, super well, but even, you know, I, I, I know that. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. so thinking about your brand, building your brand and, and making sure that you attract the kind of customers that you know that you're going to work best for. Exactly, exactly. I mean, she saw that straight away and uh, you know I see it as a practice business because, we all kind of need to figure things out in business as well. It's it's the same it's the same kind of thing with careers. You need to figure things out. It takes time, and I think a lot of people, uh, Leila, they want to rush it, and it's not yeah. about that. And I never rush my clients. I say to them, "You've got to be patient. It's just not going to happen automatically like that. Mm. It, it's just not." And that's another really honest thing because there's so many organisations that will promise the world, like join mm. up with us, £1,000 to do your CV check and we can, you know, and you'll get this amazing corporate job in five minutes. Um, yeah, but you're right. So I think that the, the honesty really comes across there as well. Mm. On your podcast, when I was a guest on your podcast, we talked about, you know, we've both experienced workplace bullying and that was one of the things that drew us together. Um, mm. And so knowing what you know now and given the fact that we've just had anti-bullying week, what would you advise people who are being bullied at work in relation to challenging the bullying, but also thinking about moving on to something more positive? So, I mean, this, I thought this was a brilliant question. Um, and I feel that this is a really important question, Leila. Um, yesterday, I gave a talk somewhere and towards the end, someone asked me a question about the tips on bullying. Mm. And it was really, really interesting because I feel like bullying is not just an issue for women at work, it's an issue for men at work as well. And even though I I actually help many women, I feel like there is so much more that we can do. But some of the tips that I want to share with uh, you guys today is basically, firstly, it's important to understand what bullying is in the workplace. And I know that we discussed that in my podcast. But what I'll do as well is I'll um, share some videos that I actually did around this on YouTube. Um, I spoke, basically, somebody commented on one of those videos, somebody in America, weirdly, mm. and they said to me, Soma, thank you so much for this video because I didn't, I kind of felt like I was being bullied, but I didn't realise yeah. it was bullying. So I'm happy to share that with your audience because I think it's very important that people know what the difference is between a micromanager yeah. and a bully because I think there's a lot of distinction around that. So I thought I would just say that. And also, in addition to the tips I'm going to share today, I've written some an article uh, for Thrive Global, which will be super helpful to your audience, I think. Awesome. Thank you. But um, some of the main tips that I want to share today is if you think you're being bullied, whether you think it's the tiniest thing to an aggressive email, to an abrupt phone call, to whatever it is, keep an account of every single thing in a diary. And it might seem a bit over the top, but... If you just sense in your gut that something is not right, write it down and just have an account of every single incident that just feels, you know, not not good to you. And the reason why I suggest this is because sometimes on reflection, you know, if it is bullying and if it does go to tribunal, the kind of evidence is there and it's just just there in black and white and you can, you know, you're able to show it as evidence. So, So that's the first tip. The second tip I would say is I just think it's so important to talk to somebody 
about the bullying. I remember when I was being bullied at work, I did kind of speak to my husband about it, but I wasn't talking to my friends about it, Leila, and that's what caused me to spiral and have anxiety and depression to the Mm. point where I wasn't even seeing my friends. I was isolating myself, and I really wish I'd opened up more and I told people because I felt like it was all me. I felt like, oh, it must be me. I must be doing something wrong here, and many people who are bullied feel that way. So talk to someone who's not going to judge you and is going to make you feel safe and, um, you know, just give you that love and support that you need. And the next thing that I want to touch on is that And I actually discussed this with another lady whose podcast I was on. Her name's Lizzie Benton, and she helps people um, basically have a better work culture. And she asked me this question around HR. She said to me, Sean, do you think when people are being bullied, HR actually helps? And the thing is, I do still think that you should still go to your HR and and, and actually discuss it with them and see how they can help. I feel that sometimes HR gets a bad rep. It depends on the organisation. But be persistent with that. And if your HR doesn't help, you've got ACAS, you know, they give... Yeah, and I'm sure you you've heard of them, right, Leila? Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I know them really well, and I know Julie Julie Dennis, who's the head of equality and diversity yeah. there. So we were just on a panel together at the Ben Cohen Foundation Anti Bullying Conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So ask them for support because. You know, a lot of people sometimes are in situations where they can't necessarily afford legal advice or they don't know where to go straight away. So they give brilliant legal advice. And one thing that I will say, and I've heard this from some women I've spoken to, Leila, I don't know um, whether you've heard these kind of stories as well, is it goes to tribunal and then it kind of doesn't go anywhere. And it's about thinking about those next steps because the question I was asked yesterday was, you know, so many people can't leave Shoma, so what should, mm. what should they do? And what I said to this gentleman is that if somebody was coming to me, and I've had a few people come to me in similar situations, helping them have some form of exit strategy if, you know, it doesn't work out and actually helping them get in a, a new position perhaps or if they do want to fight it out, some people do, then they can, but sometimes what happens in that situation, then, if we can be honest, is you know there can be sometimes some animosity. So for me personally, I did not pursue my bullying because I felt like I didn't want any animosity. I'm starting a business, fresh start. And for many people, they want to do that. But if you need the money and if you are a single parent or you're in a situation yeah. where finance is so important, perhaps take a little bit of a break for a while, being honest here, and then go back and reflect on, what it is that you want in your career and, you know, perhaps do some temp work. And then I would probably just think about really, really helping them in a way where they eventually either change their career or do something that's suited to them. But so that it's positive, because I think at the end of the day, if you are bullied, there's so much emotional package that goes on there that it's about clearing out those cobwebs and making sure they have a positive thing at the end of it. But yeah, those are basically the tips that I would share around that. Thank you. That's that's awesome. And yeah, we talked a lot about, didn't we, about how bullying has many faces. Um, and in the previous podcast, I go into quite a lot of detail about all the different types of bullying. Um, totally agree with you. I totally agree with talking to people because not only is it a problem shared, it's a problem halved, but you need that sense check. And also friends, and, yeah. and you know, if you're close to your family, they say, but you're amazing at this and you're amazing in that. And actually, when you feel low, you really need to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, and I really love your tips about ACAS and also thinking about how, um, you know, take a breather. It's okay if for a few months you have to take a job that maybe is much lower paid, but it just gives you that clarity if you can, working out what you can and can't afford and just not feeling like you're trapped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so moving away from bullying then, if, if someone feels like they want a change or they come to you and they say, oh, you know, Shoma, career happiness mentor, I've been thinking about, I want a change in my job. Actually, I really like where I work, but I can't seem to get a promotion. Um, what would you advise or what are the kinds of steps that you would take to support someone? So I think it's really, really important. I mean, I have a lot of women who come to me who are, you know, very, very enthusiastic <laughs> when they're trying to look for a new job or want a promotion. Um, and, you know, th- th- they really, really want it. And I ask them straight away, okay, what is your why? And then it's just silence. They're like, oh, I just need a new job. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the first thing I would say is address what your why is because without a why, you can't move forward. And it's one of the like, many first questions that's asked in an interview. They're going to ask you, why have you applied for this job? So what I would say for anyone who's currently looking for a new job or a promotion is figure out what your why is, whether that's paying for your loft extension or taking um, your family <laughs> on holiday. I know it might sound really, really silly. No, it's but- true though, isn't it? It's true. And it causes us a lot of stress because yeah. it's like, we can't afford to move. Or mm-hmm. I like my house. I like my street. I like my neighbours. I've been having a similar yeah. discussion in my own head but yeah. you know how do I afford this loft extension I'm laughing because it's really spot on <laughs> <laughs> no but exactly I mean it's it's those sorts of things right so whatever the why is even if it means that you can pay off your mortgage because that's such a big stressor for so many people right um or whatever it is for you you know why it why ever you need that extra money and I think there's a lot of shame around having extra money sometimes some people are a bit like you know but we all need money right we all yeah. need it yeah. So figuring out what the why is, and that why could even be that you've outgrown the job, you've outgrown the organisation, whatever it is, you know, just really, really homing in on that. And I do ask my clients certain specific questions about why. It's very, very important that they understand what it is. The second tip that I would um, share here is that when you see a new job on LinkedIn or wherever it is, you know, what is attracting you to that job opportunity compared to your current situation? Because a lot of people sometimes, you know, you know, the grass is greener on the other side and that's great. But it could even be that that location is nearer to where you live. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you know, uh, Leila, a few months ago, a lot, one of the number one reasons why people leave their jobs is long commutes, right? Especially women. Yeah, right? yeah. And if you've got kids and other responsibilities like an elderly parent or something, that commute, you know, if it's 20 minutes away rather than two hours away, it can be such a less stressful thing for you. So think about the current situation you're in compared to how it would be, you know, and just really, really what I would say here is, you know, just kind of visualise how it would be different. Having that extra responsibility, will that make you happy at work? Or will having the extra responsibility cause you to have more stress, you know? So that's the second tip that I would say. And the third tip I would say is using LinkedIn, which kind of sounds obvious, but a lot of people come to me out, out of the job market for sometimes five or more years. And it's kind of like alien to them. They don't know how to use it. They don't know what to do. and that's kind of where you need to be if you want to get headhunted and get a promotion and get better paid jobs. 
So as simple as it seems as a tip, it's it's a really, really vital one. And, and the kind of the last tip I want to share is being consistent, having some kind of plan or strategy when you're job hunting. And this goes back to the why. So what I mean by this is if you're really, really serious about getting a pay rise and promotion and you're only applying for one job per month, I mean, you could get lucky, but um, chances are if you're not doing it consistently for a few hours a week, however busy you are, it's not it's not you know necessarily going to come to fruition. Um, I had a client of mine who was really, really passionate about it, getting a pay rise and promotion. She was going for lots of interviews. And one of the interviews, she didn't get the job, but because she did so well in that interview, she was offered another job in the same organisation. So you never know what opportunities are going to come up if you're consistent in your job hunt and you just keep on showing up. But those those are the tips that I that I would share around that. Thank you. And I, I just wish I'd had you in my pocket many years ago when I was stuck. I really needed a career happiness mentor like you. Um, yes, I love that. And I, there was a joke, actually, because I used to be a serial job applier. Um, <laughs> be, yeah, I, it was like a joke. Oh, Layla's hobby is applying for jobs, um, <laughs> which which I don't have to do anymore. But I can't. I totally agree with you. And I can't overestimate. I can't. Sorry, I can't under. I can't overemphasize, that's the word I'm looking for, the importance of LinkedIn and being strategic. And actually, another thing that I was told that links to what you said about showing up every day is even if you just spend 10 minutes on LinkedIn, you do a constructive post, you you comment on other people's, you look at the job pages 10 to 15 minutes a day, but you're doing it seven days a week. Over the you know over those seven days, it adds up to a lot of time. So you're looking yeah. at an hour and a half, aren't you? A bit over, hour and 45, is that right? Um, um, and... Uh, and it's really, you know, it's really productive. So you don't have to sit there and think I have to stand, you know, look in front of my screen and LinkedIn for hours. You can do 15 minutes a day and mm. be strategic with it. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's really, really important that you're just strategic and that you don't use time as an excuse to why you're not applying <laughs> either, because it can be done in short bursts. It can. Yeah. And I think often what puts people off is that applying for jobs. So if you've had enough of the organisation or even within your organisation, it is actually a job in itself. So not to use time as an excuse, but to almost say, right, this is my project. This is my hobby for the next two or three months. And um, I'm going to get really good at it. And in order to do that, I am going to dedicate 15 minutes a day or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But so I think it is a lot of its mindset. So it goes back to your initial point around the emotions and how important it is for you to understand someone's emotions in order to develop their strategy. Exactly. Yeah. And so if people want to, how do you then help? And you, you've kind of, you have touched on it. So some of this might overlap or you might want to bring in some other aspects of what you do. Um, and how else might you help someone transition into that dream job? So let's say, um, you know, I had met you 10 years ago and I said, I feel really stuck in my organization. I'm doing all this work. I'm not really being recognized. You know, what I really want to do is be head of diversity and inclusion at a big uh, corporate organization. Uh, and I tick a lot of the boxes on these job descriptions, but I'm not getting interviews. How might you help me? So, it, I mean, it's really, really interesting. I mean, with that example, it's very, very specific. Yeah. One of the first things that I do, um, because that client that I that I mentioned, that she actually had something very specific. So it's not okay. uncommon for women to have specific ideas around their dream job. And then it's slowly like a step-by-step process. So firstly, you know, I would help them understand what their why is, why they want to do that. We'd look at that quite deeply. We'd also kind of look at what the definition of a, of a dream job is specifically to them. I know that might sound a bit 
uh, um, woo-woo. No, it I, sounds really helpful because <laughs> that, that, that phrase dream job is thrown about. I've just thrown it yeah. in there. So you're absolutely <laughs> spot on. What does it mean? Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, why is it important to them? Like for that client, if I go back to her, for example, or the example that you've given, you know, it could be that because they're so passionate about that job, not only do they want more responsibility, but they actually want to mentor people and be a leader and be seen as a leader. And, you know, they're already perhaps mentoring people in their organization already, but they're not getting paid or recognized for it. And their definition of a dream job is that not only are they getting paid for their extra responsibility, but they are also doing something they're uber, uber passionate about. So one of the first things that I would look at with anybody is to really home in on their definition of what a dream job is to them, because for everybody it's different. It's not the same. And when I work with my clients, it's all about looking at them as individuals. I feel that's really, really important, Layla, because I feel that sometimes people are just put in boxes and I don't approach any client like that. Everyone is different to me, and I think that's really important. Um, the second thing that I would really, really help them um, kind of unearth is their values. What are their values? You know, we've spoken a little bit about money, but a lot of people want to make a difference and they want to help people, or they want to be more creative, or they want to be seen as, you know, a true leader. So really, really unearthing what their unique values are to them, because I think without doing that, I can't really help them understand what their dream job is. Um, And if somebody came to me and they just really needed my help to unearth their dream job, having a very open careers advice discussion with them, almost like I'm doing on this podcast today with you, and kind of helping them unpack different things that they could do, because I think... When you're in our society, you know, we're trained to uh, go to school and then we do a degree and then we have a nine-to-five job. But there are so many options available to us, you know, not just starting a business, but, you know, we can do a lot of different things. And I think it's about really, really underlying what what they could do. They could even have a portfolio career. You know, so many people who are Mm. academic, they have a creative side hustle or they want to have a creative side hustle, but they're not doing it. So it's about unearthing those things that are really, really important to them. I think one of the main things that I also do around this is helping clients understand what they want and clarifying it with them. I I had this client who she didn't have a degree, but she was really experienced, Layla. She was so experienced. And she said to me, oh, maybe that's the reason why I'm not going to get my dream job because I don't have a degree. She was using it as a kind of like negative point when I said to her that, you know, you're so Mm. confident in the way you speak, just be yourself and start speaking up in meetings and start, you know, really, really um, showing up more. And she, she got promoted within the same organization by just being herself. Mm, So interesting. All she really, really wanted was to be recognized. And what I really, really say to my clients is, you know, what is it that you want? What's going to make you happy? I mean, it goes back to the career happiness, but also asking them really difficult questions, which sometimes somebody else would not ask. As a careers advisor, you know, I have to challenge them a little bit. Mm. What is, so, you know, your dream is to set up a a side catering business, for example. Why aren't you doing it? And Mm -hmm. they may not want to hear that, but. Mm. If I don't ask them that, how am I really going to help hold them accountable and make their dream job a reality for them? And 
sometimes it's self-sabotage sometimes it's what other people are saying um you know that oh a business is hard slog you know not everybody can do yeah. it that yeah. sort of thing or oh are you sure you want to change your career after the age of 40 all those sorts yeah of things. yeah yeah so part of it is also just giving that accountability to just help and move forward and as I said I work in a really bespoke way so looking at things bespokely just to them so when they're transitioning into that dream job it's almost like I'm kind of holding their hand through that process mm-hmm. um, and just giving them that support that they really need yeah brilliant and and so that's that's really interesting lots of lots of really good examples in there and I think that powerful question so the kind of coaching I'm trained in we don't ask why but I think in your case it's really important to ask why and that is really powerful so you you know you wanted to write you know you wanted to create you wanted to set up a catering business why haven't you done it and then it almost helps to explore the emotions doesn't it with the excuses because the excuses are um, linked to various things about action or scary stuff or ego states Um, so yeah so then you can really start to to dig in deep there and if someone's really stuck then so we've talked about action someone comes to see you and how you help them but let's say we've got some people listening today and they just feel really really stuck and really frightened maybe they're being bullied but maybe they're not being bullied um, they just don't know what steps to take they don't even know what to do before they can take any steps what would you advise them you know what what would they do so I'm sitting at my desk every day it's fine it's not bad but it's not particularly good I'm a bit bored I'm in my comfort zone Um, I feel stuck but I have no idea what to do what would you advise someone like that so yeah I mean this this is obviously like a a pure example of a person lacking in career clarity and someone who needs to kind of understand what it is that's important to them is what I would firstly say um and it is very very common it's a lot more common than people realize and I think people just stumble and they just go from job to job Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but one of the um uh first things that I would kind of try and like look at to help them is usually when someone is confused about what they want to do or how they want to move forward it's probably because something's happened to them. And when I mean something's happened to them, maybe they've lost a, uh, um, somebody that they dearly loved or they've gone through redundancy or they've been bullied or perhaps there was a management restructure. And it's about sort of looking at that moment when they realised, oh, my God, things have changed. Uh, I'm perhaps not enjoying this job anymore or this job isn't the job that is for me anymore. So the first thing is to maybe try and look at that moment when that happened and try and look at some of the deeper reasons behind why they're feeling confused. So that's the first tip I would say. The second thing that I would say is, you know, what could you be doing instead? Because I think, again, when someone is lacking in clarity, it's because they're feeling really, really overwhelmed, Layla. They're feeling a little bit like, oh, look at everybody else, look Mm -hmm. at what they're doing, they're happy, I'm not, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It becomes like a bit of a comparison competition in a a way. And when that happens, you're not having all these emotions, it goes back to thinking about perhaps do I need a break? And when I mean a break, you know, maybe a sabbatical if that's possible. If not, perhaps a holiday because not all organisations, you know, Mm. um, offer that. And then maybe thinking about whether or not this is the right career for me. Um, When I was talking about my story, I kind of 
mentioned there that I had a break, I did different jobs, and I realized I missed it. So I went back to careers advice. But for some people, it can be actually when they've had their break, that break, and they're doing something else, they realize actually, I really, really, you know, couldn't stand what I was doing. And Mm. then it's about addressing that actually, mm, perhaps I need to change my career, or perhaps I need to work freelance, or I need to do something completely different. So it gives you that real clarity of, oh, perhaps the career I am working in isn't for me and it's time for me to move on. So that's the second tip I would really, really give. And the third tip I would say is just, again, to talk to somebody about your uh, confusion because when we're confused, we're, you know, especially if you're an introvert, I'm an introvert, you know, you bottle a lot up inside and you're not really sharing what it is that's going on in your mind and again with the comparison thing you could just be thinking oh maybe it's just me everybody else is you know working and having regular money coming in I should be lucky because I work in central London or I work in a good organization perhaps I'm just being silly so talk to somebody impartial Mm. and one thing that I will say is if you talk to a friend, just make sure that friend isn't going to judge you or isn't going to have any harsh criticisms because sometimes that could make you feel even more like you're not doing the right thing by talking to them about it. I mean, you could talk to someone like me, but even talking to a counsellor or someone who you know is just going to support you, move your dreams forward, then I would just definitely say that. And the last thing that I want to say around this one is that If you're realising that you're job hopping, as I mentioned at the beginning, or you're doing very short contract roles and nothing's changing and you're still feeling like, you know, confused and you're still feeling like you don't know what you want to do, this is where you need to change your approach. And this is where you need to perhaps do something completely different for a while. And you can perhaps do that by either, um, you know, taking a year out and doing maybe charity work abroad or if you're able to do that, or just thinking for a while, actually, if I'm going to change my career, I need to do it now. So changing the approach to what you're doing, because sometimes what happens is, is that if we keep on repeating the same pattern, we're never going to progress and we're never going to actually do what we truly want. So that's the last tip I want to share. Thank you. That is, yeah, that's so helpful because I know a lot of people have said, a bit, I did a stress bucket model in one of my training courses and they said, well, it's all very well trying to take action when you feel stressed, but there've been times where I felt so low, I couldn't even do anything to take action. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the things you've outlined are super helpful, just taking a step back, talking to someone, reflecting, changing your scene to enable you to get to a place where you can start to decide what action you want to take. So turning to you then, Shoma, as a, as a busy businesswoman, how do you then you know, I always ask my guests this, how do you look after your own mental health? So um, obviously, I mean, we've had many discussions around mental health and the importance of it, um, you and me. And I think for me, one of the key things that I do is um, when I get up, I have a morning routine. I feel that without my morning routine, I can't really carry on with the rest of my day. Um, I don't normally start my actual work until after nine. I'm usually up by about 6.30, 7 o'clock most mornings and I kind of mix up my morning routine. I'll do a little bit of yoga, meditation, journaling um, and then I'll kind of have my breakfast by 8 o'clock and then I'll just do my usual kind of uh, work-related stuff. But So the first tip is probably morning routine, having a morning routine and having that routine in place because 
without that routine, because I do sometimes, I mean, now my anxiety is a lot better, but when I have that routine, I just feel like everything's in place and I can just carry on with the day. Um, the second thing is, I would say, breaking up your week a little bit. So for me, being around my friends and family is so important. And if I know in my diary, because I schedule and I plan everything ahead, that a Friday um, morning or a Monday morning is a bit quieter or whatever, I'll, I'll you know, try and meet a, a friend for coffee midweek and I'll make sure that I plan something afterwards so that I have to go home and concentrate that on that and do it um, to break up my week. But by doing that, one of the reasons why I feel that helps my mental health is that I'm getting out of the house. I do a lot of work from home. So for me, having to make myself accountable to go out is really yeah. important so that I'm not always like, you know, just staying indoors. And the other thing that I sometimes do as well, I'm not able to do it every week because if I'm recording, because obviously on my podcast I record episodes too and I'm doing client calls, um, but if I know I have a lot of writing to do, I'll go to a local coffee shop and I'll just mm. sit there for a few hours, just get out of the house and yeah. make sure that I don't, overdo it um because I think it's really really important and as I've mentioned already I'm an introvert so I need that downtime so mm-hmm. my my week uh usually on Fridays I do sometimes take Fridays off not always I am going through a busy period right now so I'm not taking Fridays off at the moment but I do think it's important to also have maybe a half a day off during the week as well or a day off where that's just for you so that you can do things that are not business related and I try not to work on the weekend because I think that's very, very important. But mm. again, as you know, Layla, when you're going through a busy period, yeah. you have to, right? You have to. <laughs> I'm, ter- um, I'm ter- I actually have to be honest. I'm terrible. I, I work a lot of weekends. Um, it's like the email backlog, isn't it? I'm really good at helping other people, <laughs> but <laughs> but, uh, but actually, it helps me manage the stress. So if I'm watching TV, I can do the emails. You know, the, the roundup emails that we get, newsletters and business emails that come in that that not client facing. Um, but those emails, I can read through, delete them because I just don't feel I have time in the weekdays. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying I don't do any work. I just try to avoid doing work. Um, and that's very the- wise. I think that's very good. And that's a really good example for, for all the business people out there. <laughs> um, but I think the last tip that I'll just quickly share, and I'm sure you'll resonate with this one, is as business owners, we're on our phones a lot. Oh, I know. Um, it, it's kind of like I didn't realise uh, for yeah. a long time I was doing it. I was kind of fobbing my husband. I don't know if you know what fobbing is. It's basically where you're on the phone and you're ignoring the person in front yeah. of you. Yeah. But not a nice thing to do. But anyway, um, and I, then I realised, oops, I need to do something about this. So um, one of the main things that I, I, I try to do is when I do get up in the morning, I won't use my phone an oh, hour, that's good. An hour in the that's good that's good the same at night time I do the same at night time um but yeah that's that's the other tip I wanted to share because I think it's important that you you're, you have some boundaries with social media it's so important yeah I mean that's that's a really good example Shoma and I don't do that I reach for my phone first thing <laughs> <laughs> so this is really helpful for me and I think it's important for me to be honest but you know everyone's different but I think you're right and I think not and the white light from the phone isn't good so to just leave it there you know things aren't going anywhere it's not the end of the world and you know we actually grew up without phones so why I can't cope with it for an hour in the morning I don't know <laughs> so, so I think I'll take one of I think I'll take that I'll take that thank you thank you for sharing your um 
you know, how you look after your mental health. So Shema, this has been awesome because you've shared so many things. You've given really meaty tips for every kind of scenario. So for bullying, for finding that dream job, clarifying what the dream job is for people who feel really stuck or people who are transitioning into that ideal role. Um, and if people want to know more about you and your work and what you do, how would you like them to contact you? And if you want to talk about any of the packages you're offering at the moment, please feel free to do so. Um, so one of the best ways to sort of um, get in touch with me online is on LinkedIn. It's just Soma Ghosh, um, Careers Advisor. Um, obviously, there's my website, www.thecareerhappinessmentor.com. In terms of what I'm doing at the moment, I have a few slots available for my one-to-one um, career happiness um, session, which is just a 90-minute bespoke session. So within that time, people can uh, work on their LinkedIn. Perhaps if they're feeling a little bit lost um, with their career, we can uh, work out a little bit of strategy within that session. Or even if they just want to experience what a career happiness session is like or a careers advice session, they've never had like careers advice as an adult. It's just about helping them really, really move forward and maybe just giving them that support that they feel is lacking right now. But those are sort of the things that I'm kind of doing at the moment, I would say. Sounds brilliant. And I think that's such, you know, I think 90 minutes is a really good length of time for people to get to know more about you. And then if they want to work with you further, that they can do. Um, And I'm going to be including all your links. So the Career Happiness Podcast, your LinkedIn, your Facebook, your Instagram and Twitter on the show notes. Um, And is there anything else you'd like to add before we, you know, before we have to end this? Because I've had a blast and anything else you want to share with our listeners? Um, just that, you know, I think it's very, very important, especially with the work that you do, Leila, you know, like, I really admire what you're doing, because I just, I just want to finish off by saying that if you are unhappy at work, or even if you're unhappy in your life, there's so much support out there. So just go and talk to somebody. And even if that means talking to a stranger, if you haven't got anybody mm. close by, you, you never know what's going to come of it. That's just the last thing I want to share, because I feel like so many of us, Especially because even though we have social media now, it's great. Mm. We're also not very as as connected as we used to be. So, you know, go somewhere and talk to somebody who you feel is going to be able to make that difference to you because it's just so important. That's the last thing that I want to leave your listeners with what I would say yeah thank you Shoma and it's true isn't it and I I think there's a lot of kindness in strangers you're right if you do need to talk to someone but don't be afraid and there's no shame in it whether you're being bullied you want to transition from your workplace you don't know what's next or you're feeling stuck there's absolutely no shame in it it's completely normal and there are people to help you so thank you once again Shoma I hope people will get in touch with you and use your valuable skills please do check out Shoma's podcast and all her resources she has a fantastic Facebook page as well really active community on there um so there you go you've heard it from the expert herself the career happiness mentor how to establish and search for and discover what's going to make you happy in your work and i'll see you in the next episode where we're going to be talking about the 16 days of violence against women we're going to be talking to katie russell from rape crisis england and wales about creating a domestic violence policy so i'll see you in the next episode everyone and thank you so much for listening and thank you so much shoma Thank you so much for having me on. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Tune into next week's episode of the podcast, where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.